Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Lisa Burgess and um, we're delighted to be back back on the pod um lj i can see you sitting there in your usual hey, bed vaccine how are we doing <laughs> yeah i'm good thanks how are you doing yeah really really good thanks really looking forward to our exciting group of um guests we've got coming on the show in the next few weeks um but first of all else i just want to say massive congratulations to you um recently appointed um england under 20s forwards coach that's just congratulations i'm so delighted for you just tell us a little bit about that and how you're feeling Oh, thanks, Bird. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm actually blown away by the fact that I've, I've got the role, and it was quite a, uh, a rigorous interview process. Which personally, I hadn't done an interview properly for a long time, so I found that really, really good to help me, you know, really embed what I was about as a coach and have to present it to other people, which is always helpful. Um, and yeah, we've had our first, we've had our first actual camp, which went really well there's some really exciting talent and I absolutely love working with that age group you know 18 18 18 to 20 roughly that kind of age or 17 I think you see so much change in them and the confidence thing is the big thing like I'm blown away by how little confidence some of them have and how amazing they are so that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to hopefully pushing and developing and then on top of that we've got a really exciting competition or competitive structure kind of slowly being developed and I think that's just going to go from strength to strength which our pathway has definitely lacked especially with COVID but I think it's it's lacked that for a little while now so that'll be really exciting to see what we can do with the you know the future the future of the the Red Roses so uh, yeah I'm really excited thanks yeah <laughs> bring it on looking really looking forward to seeing how you get on there and, and you know you're gonna have a massive impact on those girls so watch this space okay and and this week we're we're incredibly lucky and delighted to welcome um lynn campwell to to the pod hello lynn, hey, lynn. hi hi girls how you doing we're, we're great thank you and for those of you who don't know lynn campwell what an amazing woman um so lynn was an international rugby player for ireland with um achieving 86 caps played both 15s and sevens um was the vice captain for the two, 2013 grand slam um lynn is also chair of sport ireland women in sports committee and um has recently been appointed a, a fantastic appointment and well done to south africa for managing to get lynn as um the women's high performance manager for South Africa. And like I said, there's so much more. Lynn is also a mother of two beautiful children, a boy and a girl aged, well, nearly two and four, um, you know, and is, is going to make the massive move to South Africa soon with her husband and family to, to work over there as a high performance coach. Lynn, we're actually absolutely buzzing to have you on the pod this week uh, for our first podcast back. So um, thank you and welcome. 
Yeah, thank you. You know what? Just isn't it so cool to be in this conversation when having who would have thought that we'd be here and be working professionally in the game, you know, and, and being able to contribute in the game of women's rugby in the roles we have compared to where we've come from. It's really cool, Mega. You know, we definitely didn't have that. I definitely didn't have that as a player, you know, people in that position. So it's really cool, isn't it? Eh? Yeah. yeah, I can't agree with you more. And, you know, every time we speak to these amazing women on, on the pod, you know, what, what people have achieved and the role models like young girls now have got to look up to is just it's just fantastic and um, you're definitely a trailblazer in what you do so I really don't want to waste any more time I just want to get on and start asking a question so you know Lynn taking us back really about more about your journey but um, your degree was in sport and exercise science and um, along with a master's in physiotherapy um, which is just brilliant but you know when and how did you kind of you know talk to us a little bit about your journey but when and how did you realize that your real passion was driving high performance sport? Yeah, like, um, so I, I, when I started, I was an athlete, so I was a, a sprinter and I was like quite fast and kind of intuitively just kind of navigated that teenage years just as a, as a runner um, and then went to UL down in Munster, took sports science up there and kind of fell in love of, with, with athletics and, and just was lucky to be in a place that was just so inclusive of, of rugby in Munster and, and take it up there. And the game at the time was a very, a very young age where um, there, there wasn't lots of development going around, whatever. So I got onto the Irish team very quickly. And at the same time, I was in UL, I was studying sports science, you know, you're surrounded by Munster and they were training. I was, I was training at the time as an athlete with one of the, the Olympic women's or the Olympic Irish team at the time. So you're kind of seeing performance all around. And I had that science hat. I had that athlete hat on my my lens having been from athletics um and then coming into quite a young sport which was women's rugby at that time where you know we weren't advanced at all in our understanding of how to train and you know what performance looked like so I, I kind of felt like that was a really interesting experience um and then played obviously played then for 13 years and, and learned lots through that 13 years of playing you know, we all saw the evolution of, of the game. We all knew that the game could have been so much more like, hey, bird, like I remember us playing so many times in Thoman Park and how many times was it? Six, six and six, three and three, six and six, nine. Um, Too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose our story, you know, we saw that, you know, we, we beat one team, the next year beat two teams, three teams. And we saw that evolution of, of progress, which is just fascinating to experience. Um, so having that kind of science hat on, that kind of athletics background, that that evolution of, of the women's game, you just kind of you live and breathe the, the growth of it. Um, and then, you know, I definitely never thought of myself as a, as a women, woman in rugby or woman in, in sport. I think I only learned about that probably in my mid 20s when I looked around. And having been in athletics, which is a very gender neutral sport, I looked around and I was like, oh, why are we being treated like this? You know, and I just think that's really limiting. Um, and so you have all of that kind of energy, that insight, and then that commitment to, to where, you know, we all can go from a, from a sports point of view. And that just kind of intuitively drives your direction. So went to physio, did that. That kind of just fueled my rugby, really. You know, it, it kind of ticks a box to earn money as you're going. I came out the other side of it. And when I retired, I just knew, look, I like physio and so on, but um. I, I knew I just wanted to contribute to something more uh, and my interest was in, in groups and people and in, in teams and the power of that and, and then the women's sport piece. Um, and 
I, I, I love just the concept of, of performing through people. Uh, so I just spent lots of time reading around that over the years. And, and then the opportunity came through with, with South Africa. And um, I suppose what, what ticked loads of boxes there is that one, there's a massive leadership piece. You know, there was a, a leadership that wanted to see progress in the game. And, and I don't think we see that often. So that was a really, really appetizing. I was interested to learn from, you know, Rassi and Charles and, and the stuff that they were doing in, in South Africa too. Um, and I think the landscape of the game over there, it was coming from a relatively low base, but yet there's just so much, there's so much meaningful work to do at a, at a kind of gender level and, and an athlete uh, progress point of view. It just kind of ticked lots of boxes. So yeah, I'll give it a, give it a good shot. I'll, I'll try my best with it and fingers crossed we, we do well and get the game somewhere special. Well, there's no doubt you'll do that, Lynn. You know, you've touched on so many points. I'd like to follow up. I can see LJ scribbling. Al, do you want to ask a specific question there? And because um, I've got so I've got a few, I want to follow up. Yeah, with. I was just going to ask you, Lynn. You know, you just mentioned about uh, things that really interest you, and I know we'll probably dig into it around the South African side later. But you said the power of people, the power of teams. Like, is there anything particular that really that you maybe read or experienced that maybe like made that quite? Um, like sat with you really well yeah look I, I think anecdotally we've all experienced how powerful people can be together um, and but there's not actually an awful lot of information out there on what what is that and we talk about secret sauces and I think we're trying to um, get some form of appreciation of the theory behind it but you know I kind of just was trying to read lots about that um, but I, I think some of, one of the things that I've probably picked up, LJ, is this piece around like a, a team is created not just by a commitment to an outcome, but by a commitment to the dynamics of the people in the group equally. Yeah. So I think it's very easy for us to look at a group and say, we need a target, we need to achieve that. And if we have that target, we will we will um, combine and we will get there. I think that I see a half of that being achieved by the strength of the group and the dynamics of the group. And I think that's why the work done off pitch is so important for people, you know, in, in, in sharing rooms and changing your, your, your rooming buddy and, and getting to know people that you don't know or not like you. And, and in teams, definitely in the 15s game, there's so many different types of personalities. And I think so much of performance is about like get to know those people you know and understand them and you will grow so much as a person to do that um as well as what what you will as a group so I think that's one piece that I've kind of picked up in it whereas I think as a player I probably knew that I felt that but we could never really prove it um, and yeah. whereas now I think how I approach the work that I'm doing is I put equal value to the outcome and our targets and our goals as well as the relationships of, of the group I think that's massively important yeah yeah I think I, I, I like I really like that way you've described it because obviously the week in week out winning and losing or if you're in an international setup you know you have a period of winning and losing that's quite cutthroat but actually I think if you look deeper into it like you say the dynamics of the people and actually are they getting better is the person becoming better mm. um and as a byproduct of that, your environment will be better, which then will hopefully drive your outcome. So, yeah, I like that outlook and definitely uh, sits with us, <laughs> sits with us as a week in, week out, win and lose environment. Mm. Hey, birds, like it's, definitely. it's tough, isn't it? It's really you know, tough. So. 
But I, I think we talked about this, you know, a few times in terms of um, the culture and how important it is, you know, to get to know, especially in a team environment, you have to know those athletes, you have to know how they tick, what makes them tick. And, and, and with that then comes that culture and that drive to succeed. And, mm. you know, how difficult is it? Because, you know, obviously it's so exciting. I know how excited you are with your family and everything, you know, it's a massive thing. We'll come on to talk about that in a minute, but um, what kind of um, impact and outcomes are you hoping to achieve? Because, you know, South Africa is massive and the potential is huge. Just tell us a little bit about, about you know, you've talked a little bit about how excited you are to work with Razi, Charles and Stanley, but you know, what kind of is the immediate short term? Because obviously we've got the World Cup, we've got the Autumn Internationals. Um, you know, how often do the girls meet? Tell us a little bit about South Africa, you know, very different culture to what we experience over here in Europe. You know, how does that relate? And, and you know, what does it mean to those girls and everything to play for South Africa? And, and what are you mm -hmm. hoping to achieve? That's, that's quite yeah. a few questions, actually, all in one there. <laughs> No, look, I, I think um, I, I think the obvious one is what's the goal. And I suppose the uh, the, the, the idea of, of, of shifting the focus of, of the game, I think previously the game had a participation focus, whereas now it has a performance focus. At the same time, how, how I kind of approach that is still through a development lens. Like, I think we have to keep recognizing that the game in staff was only 20 years old. I think the game formerly in the world for the women's games only 40 years old, even though it happened, the first game I think was 90 or so years before that. So I think we can't look at this just as a performance lens. We have to think of it developmentally at the same time it was with an eye on, on driving performance through the national team. So I think focusing in on that, like our, our goal, our, our immediate goal is, well, if I say immediate slash next year for the World Cup is to definitely perform with distinction in the World Cup. We have England and France and Fiji in our pool and, and that will be, they'll be really tough. So as preparation of that, obviously we have our November series coming up and we've managed to to play. Uh, we have a test against France. We have a test against Wales. Train, train against England twice as well to get that kind of calibration, that reference point. And then we're hopefully going to play the under 20s um, and then we're going to play the Barbarians. So what that does is it gives us four tests. It gives lots of calibration points and reference points. It gives intensity. It gives um, big stadium experience. It gives travel experience for both the players and the management. And I think we'll just learn lots of it. That That's the best, best prep that we can do for next year. Um, and then, as I said, next year, it's performance with distinction with the view in 2025 is hopefully, I, I think the, there'll be 16 teams at that stage. And I suppose you'd have to be, aiming for top eight and then 2029 it'll, it'll be defined by, by what we do there so I think there's, there's a great buzz about about that but what do we need to do to get there I think when you when you look under the hood um, I think what we need to do was, was we need to create performance environments across the country I think that's something we don't we don't have so I'm working lots with that's 14 provinces around South Africa and all of them will will kind of vary in in how um, how resourced they are. So ultimately, what I like, and again, this is probably my my preference and style, is is I've I've got a big preference towards creating performance hubs close to home. Um, like I, I'm all on. I know that athletes will perform if you centralise them and and put them into the mill, for example, but based on where we're at that's not sustainable it's going to cost an awful lot of money and and we need to really build it and they will come type of an approach over there because there's so much talent if we can get it regional um and create some performance hubs regional then it allows that more of a more of a chance to build and, and i think the south african context in there is 
we really need to try and create a safe environment for the girls so that they can go and train close to home and have good coaches that are, are teaching them good technical and tactical knowledge and trying to accelerate their rugby IQ medical provision which we don't have an awful lot of how are the girls if they're injured they get back on the pitch and how when they're all, when they're on the pitch do they stay on the pitch because they have their their s c support so they, they might seem quite basic but all of those kind of abc blocks that's the big focus and i think even in the next two years and we've, we've already really started that if we can have five or six of the provinces that are doing that which i really feel confident that even by next year we'll have that you know the rest the rest will start to come and if we position the women's game over there as a game where, you know, women's rugby is a place where you go to be safe, to learn, to grow as a, as a person, as a woman, um, and, and then the rest is, is, is up to you to define, then I really think that we'll, we'll attract lots of young girls to the game and hopefully produce the style of rugby that we know, you know, South Africans can. And I think all of us are interested in just another style of rugby uh, competing on the world stage. Huh? Yeah. Is there any, um, sorry, just to jump in. Just talking about the structures and obviously creating a safe place for for girls and women to be able to come and find the sport. Have you let? Are you trying to, or have you been learning anything from what the men the men have done? Obviously, I know they went through quite a big evolution, um, and obviously the the culture and the dynamics of how the country is. Like, is there anything that you can pick up from the men and the boys that might accelerate that for you? yeah you know what actually um what's what what one of my biggest observations is that I think um we I don't know about you but I I probably find in in women's sports space is that you're constantly coming to the party trying to convince people that there is an inequality in how sports operates and that sport is represented by one type of person and you know there's more people in the world and what about if you looked at it through our lens sport might look a bit different Whereas I think in South Africa, because as a, as a country, they're already on you know, a massive transformational um, journey for, for, for racial equality. I think the gender equality piece is, is, so, is already sold. You know? So there's already a recognition that how we're operating in this country isn't representative of the country. Um, and, and let's embrace what the country actually looks like and, and all of the wonderful cultures that are in it. So I think if they're already on that journey, which they are, and it's actually really inspirational to watch, um, gender is just another part of that, you know? So if anything, I feel like at a mindset level, they're further on than I've seen, I've experienced definitely. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful. Now what we don't have is resources and, and like we'll, we'll struggle with that and that's a constant conversation. But I think that mindset changes is a big barrier that I've felt before coming to South Africa. So we just have to leverage, how do we make gains with people because people are open to change or open to let's make this work um so that's i think that's a, a big thing that, that's then, sorry, sorry I, was, I was just going to say though that's massive though if that mindset's already there you know that's to have that is just such a massive thing and i think you know just in the short time we've spoken to you what you're describing the potential is definitely there i mean i saw what it means to those girls you know when you put a, tw- a, a tweet out the other day with, of the girls all singing when they found they had a new you know another fixture it was just beautiful to watch and see and and the impact it's going to have on these young South Africans you know growing up and what you know looking at what will be available to them I think it's massive and I think it's so exciting and um, I can't wait to see what you do over there Lynn it's just Mm. really exciting but you know just can you just tell me a little bit what does it mean to these girls because it's just 
can you just describe what it means to them? Because it's just, it just looks amazing. Yeah, that's it. And, and look, I, I think one of the things I found hard with, with not being able to, um, to be there with visas and so on, you're just kind of going over and back, um, has been just getting to know the girls. But, you know, when I, when I have been there, it's just sitting down for lunch and stuff and, and talking and asking them about it. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a huge African, South African culture of, <clears throat> of rugby and, and they love, everybody loves the spring box and the hope that that generates and the representation of what does that, what does that reflect as possible in the country. And I think everybody bought, bought into that. Um, I think that there's more and more, I think what I'd love to see happening over the next couple of years is the girls really connecting and growing into what does that mean as a as a woman you know what does that mean as a, as a female player and what what can you demonstrate and role model through how you're operating as a, as a woman's rugby player that you know lots of girls are going to learn from because the eyes are on the team and I think what I mean by that is is you know how do you have self-confidence so that you know you you know that you're valuable and you're you're there for the right reasons and um and how do you grow as a woman through what you're going through that will enable you to bring that into life outside of rugby and and um and into your career and and show your sisters and your cousins and and so on so like i, I think there's lots of of lots of of that um and then what i'm probably finding i i don't know the rest because i think you know there's 11 cultures um, and and languages in in south africa and i think there's even six within our team um, and, and I think wow. I'm still learning all of those different yeah. cultures too to try and hopefully get to a safe space at one stage to say, you know, hey, why do you do it? You know, so. Yeah. So lots to explore. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Wow. LJ, over to what, you. What, um, yeah, so just going back to as it sits right now, that what does the pathway look like for um, rugby in South Africa? Like how and like there might be gaps I appreciate that but how might you right at this moment how might you find a player like is there a pathway or is that is that basically what there isn't one like what might it look like yeah so like this is a big challenge and I know it's challenge everywhere but I know again what what we know is that the development pathway is a is a precursor to performance you know so we know we have to uh, focus on this as much as we do the performance piece so like at the moment so there's no rugby in in primary schools there's no rugby technically in in high schools although that's the big thriving hub for 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 the men and and um Andrew, you'd know that from from guy yeah. so what the girls have is uh, they have eight youth training centers um so there's one in in each province there's 14 provinces but there's eight youth training centers and what they cater for are under 15 16 17 18s players um, and they have an administrator and a coach and on, on a weekly basis, obviously they're running schools festivals and, and then there's two competitions a year where they all come together and play. So, so it's great that that's there, but it's not underpinned by like a national schools competition or a national club junior competition. So we want really to have like a one national competition that's constantly, yeah. you know, churning out just access to, to girls playing rugby. And then hopefully the, the youth training centres, that's where there's the kind of a talent ID pathway um and then that's that's um that that flows into the, the provinces so there's a there's a couple of gaps um that we're working on and and i think the, the high school system over there is kind of hard one to crack it's a, it's a big old beast so so that's that's a constant 
And then um, universities, so the Varsity Cup is another big competition that that happens for, for the boys, not for the girls. So we've tried to, we're hoping to get a Varsity Cup competition that's starting hopefully in, in April, um, even as, as a short term and then, you know, the next year on. So I think that'd be another opportunity to, to get uh, competition. Uh, but otherwise, there's the provinces, as I said, the 14 provinces, the adult competition, they play. So this year, they used to play just five times a year. Now they play 10 times a year. And all of this will just get more and more rugby, hopefully, for the girls to give them an opportunity to grow. With the um, with the provinces, do they align to the the men's team, or is that is that what you're trying to make? Is that what you the long term vision is? Make that kind of make that the thing? You know, each yeah. province is like the the men's game in a like yeah in a fashion. Well, that's it. And so each each of the provinces. The, the 14 women's provinces, there's, there's six in the top league and nine in, in the second league. They are all provinces for, for the men. The big thing, and, and this isn't unique to South African rugby, is um, the elite game sits in the elite high performance portion of those provinces and, and the women's game doesn't sit in there. Yeah. So what, what we'd like to see yeah. happening um, and those conversations have just started and we don't want to push it too quickly if, if it's not going yeah. to be sustainable, but... Um, is that we shift the elite women's game into the PTYs, which is their which they're called, which is the franchise side of of those provinces, which would be similar to you know wasps and so on. Um, I, and I think if we map out a road towards that over the next couple of years, I, I think we we could do it. But like you know, you just have to do it right, don't you? I think yeah, you've, yeah. you've got to be sustainable. So yeah. And is there? Um, I know you talked a little bit around schools, and I know obviously you've got the national team. Is there anything like talent ID wise that you you currently have, or is that a gap that you need to? Is that something you need to fill? Is that what you'll look at doing? Um, talent ID in the schools, LJ, is it? Yeah, and then you know, so I can only make reference to what I know here, but obviously we've got an under 18s kind of talent development group, and then obviously we've got the twenties, and I appreciate that's been fluid with COVID, but is that something that you will look to do to help you develop that? player feeding into the national team or yeah that's it like so we have an under 20s um team and, and laurie and ohana's actually she's our first female representative coach and she's head coach of, of that oh, wow. um and then we had a an under 20s on and off but we definitely want to make that more formal so like again there's a funding thing so any any conversations that we're having with sponsors it's around how do we increase access to to, to age grades competing um and i really think that, that that's something that we need to we need to get a hold of if over the next even five years though we could try and crack this high school nut around having some form of national competition um i think that would be cool that'd be really really cool and then looking at the age profile of the game you know and i've kind of looked into the youth olympics and the youth come games as well you know how many is there any opportunities we can get for those age grades just to get a little bit of experience representative experience it just goes a long way so hopefully lj i think it's just going to take a bit of time yeah 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 the school, the school boy, school boys rugby is so big, isn't it? That if you could get something similar for for the girls, you know your your scope is endless because they've already got big resources are already set yeah. up. I appreciate schooling is a little bit different to here with yeah. the money side of things and the resource, but that would be amazing if you can get into that. It know? would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Look, I think the things that you hear, and it's probably the same in other countries, but you definitely hear. Um, uh, netball and hockey uh, that's yeah. you know, the, the girls sports over yeah. there and and just kind of th- threats associated I suppose 
Um, but what I loved here, and last week I actually heard somebody say that some of the girls are now starting to put pressure on their teachers to introduce women's rugby into their schools. And like, that's what you want to hear, isn't it? You know, yeah. you're like, hey, yeah. come on, girls. Yeah, yeah. And they can see those opportunities then developing for them. So that's great. It's just all about that continued exposure. I'm loving it. And we talk about um, talent ID days. I know we, we, we've run in a couple in Wales. We've got one this weekend, actually. And it's, it's amazing the kind of interest they generate, especially for girls, uh, women from other sports, you know, they come in and occasionally you pick up this one gem, you know, that you think, wow. And they would have never thought about rugby unless. But as you said, I, I really love the idea of like regionalizing things. As, as, as you say, South Africa is massive. You yeah. know, Wales is nowhere near the side we could fit into a tiny bit of South Africa. But, you know, by centralizing things, you know, it, it is really good. You can get that pull in from offering the opportunities to more people so yeah wow it sounds so exciting but just kind of leading me on to leading us on to our next question really you know you've got you've got a young family like you say you know a two-year-old and a four-year-old you know your husband you're, you're kind of rooting and moving to South Africa you know was it a difficult decision for you I mean I mean it's coupled with huge opportunity but but you know go on tell us about what you're excited about and you know obviously the rugby is a massive thing but what, what about you and your family tell us a little bit about that yeah, um, it's a funny one because we've kind of tried to take it quite lighthearted and I think it helped that we were both in London at the time. Alex is, is a Kiwi, so none of us are actually home and we're always going to leave. And so it probably was easier. I think it would have been harder if we were at home and, you know, you got an opportunity and uprooting. So I think in general, we were quite light with, with our mindset and um, Scarlett and Arlo both of them hadn't started school so people kept on saying you know, there's flexibility there so that was kind of cool um, and then just the opportunity to to influence and it's such a cool job and so on so I, I just think we said hey let, let's let's go with it and we can always come home and um, it's at least the same time difference and overnight flight and everything like that so we just said hey let, let's do it and like I can be a bit naive with these things and I can be probably lead with my heart quite a lot um, so like I, I stand to be corrected and make a mistake, but um, let's wait until that happens and we'll go with it for in the meantime. Oh, I sound the, um, sorry, sorry, I was going to you go. Are they, are they um, either in South Africa, are they being supportive, the fact that you've got a family and are you finding that like quite embracing? Do you know what I mean? Like it's not become oh, a bit of an issue, like you finding that they're really supporting you and helping you and figure out the, how you're going to settle in and things like that. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I don't know yet until like we, we it kind of plays out and stuff. But you know what? I think that we, we got to, you know, I, I think in this kind of women's sports space, you got to you got to be real. You got to come with, with what's real with you. And um, and, you know, we have a family and and if you're going to grow the women's game, it has to be a, a family friendly environment. And not that that doesn't for the men. I think this is what the interesting dynamic like I've been watching obviously every all of the the Lions series and everybody's been away in rugby championships and so on and um I just beggars belief how long they're away from home you know and I just yeah. think jeez yeah. man how do you leave your family for that I mean, yeah. it must be so hard and I, I know the family often travel and I know COVID's making that so much worse but I just wonder about that you know do, does sport just have to evolve in order do, do we have to be that hard to be away from family for that long and stuff I don't know so look I think in the women's game it's not that females take the brunt of of their family by only stretch I think we're massively evolving but I, I do think in, in the women's game there will naturally be more of a of a of a draw with them um, having your family on tour with you and things like that yeah. because 
and you know kids if you have kids and maternity leave policies and all of those important things so yeah if if I am you know we, we come as a group and and hopefully the, the guys will will embrace that which they are so far that's, that's great to hear and I think that's a really important question to to bring up as well and discuss around because I know when I was lucky enough to help coach with the barbarians it was like you know a few of the players there had their their young children with them as well and it was part of their family and as a squad we embraced that and it just it's just added to as well because there were times obviously when the athletes need to focus but their family was there to support them and you know we're talking kids that were just you know I think it was nine months old one and a half you know so they were young babies and I know mm-hmm. Giselle one of our great friends um she I know when she's coaching England under 20 she had her kids with her but it's something mm. you know as females we you know as mothers you you know you have to do that so yeah. it is something yeah. we need to talk about and explore a bit more and you guys I suppose are trailblazing in that way so yeah. it's um it's really exciting to find out but Lynn we're, we're gonna we're gonna ask you a question now which is um you know it's a difficult question because obviously in terms of the fact that you're you're from Ireland and you've given so much to Ireland but you know it was devastating for everyone involved you know and painful to watch the ecstasy and you know the disappointment in sport the the, the recent World Cup qualifications and Ireland didn't qualify um, you know for the World Cup in 2022 what what do you feel needs to happen now in terms of uh, where Ireland go from here because obviously it's been a devastating blow not only to Ireland but also all those players some of which will no longer be involved in rugby again yeah um <clears throat> I think it I think it is really heartbreaking and and I think everybody is heartbroken I remember chatting about this earlier on in the week um and the, the players again need to take responsibility for their performance and you know what the results of that are but I, I think we know the the we know the backstory we know the context I, I don't think we can look away from this um this is not just a one cycle, you know, there's a, a demonstration of a of a trend uh, over the last two cycles and um, and that's not okay. You know, and if I look to Ireland, um, it has lots of buckets of potential. There's lots of really great players that are in there. And it, it pains me to think that, you know, Claire Malloy won't be at a World Cup and Kira Griffin won't be at a World Cup and all of those people, because, you know, they, they totally should. And look, I know people miss out lots that that's that sport, but... I think the backdrop to to this is is important. Um, I think at a national level, I think they've actually been supported probably more than they ever have before. And um, so, so what's what's the what's holding it back? Um, I, like I don't specifically have the answers, but what I what I do think is, if you are if you want something to do well, it can do well. Um, so if it doesn't do well, there, it needs to land with somebody or or the people that are are getting in the way of progress um i also think that anything like this in women's sport can be turned around quite quickly like i don't think it's rocket science it can be a two three year thing it just needs the right insights and the right driving commitment and and so on and um and it'll be just tough you know it'll be tough for those girls to go through a year knowing what if it'll be tough for them to watch the competition it'll be tough for them to see the the teams around them progress um, without them progressing and so on. And, and I really hope that it triggers a big change. Um, I think what's hard is, you know, we've been here before and like, you know, Bertie, you know the story as well. We've all seen it in different countries, you know, the frustration with, um, well, why aren't you backing the team? It can do so much better. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, it, it's, it's such a slow burn 
Um, and sometimes you just get exhausted by it. You know, I'm 21 years with this story. Yeah. Um, so I just really hope that you know, people with integrity are, are in there and are, are saying, look, let's let's make this different for the next cycle and so on. And um, and they're engaging with the right people to make that happen because, yeah, it's really sad that they're not there. hundred percent. I can't give you more. And, you know, from my own perspective as a as a Welsh, you know, avid Welsh supporter involved with Wales for so long I, I you know in in many ways Wales are exactly in the same place you know we were lucky to qualify um how the last two six nations have not been at all successful and there's obviously that you know there's huge things taking place now for Wales which will hopefully show us moving in the right direction but you know it's we've got to learn from what's happened to these countries and we've got to learn that you know we have to put those right people in the places that are going to support in the correct way and drive things forward because otherwise you know, we'll be having this same conversation, like you said, you know, 21 years, unless you get that proper investment. And it isn't just about money. It's about getting the right people in those positions mm. that have the skill set to drive things forward. And also looking at the domestic league setup um, to support and develop those players, as you've just described so articulately in South Africa. Mm. So, um, so yeah, lots of work to do. And, you know, I know all of us on this pod, you know, wish Ireland all the the very best and really hope that there is a lot of deep reflection that goes on now so that they can they can turn this around which I'm sure they can and we all mm. hope they do all right Elja I don't know if you want to add anything to that yeah I, I just wondered if um <coughs> like if you had any like words of advice Lynn because obviously like you've just described about the process and the system and things like that and players the players being devastated and obviously I I coach a, f- a few of the Irish players and I know the pain they're feeling and I've seen it like raw um, but we've probably got people listening, coaches, players that have maybe experienced something like this on field that's so devastating. Is there anything you can say to what would your advice be to like keep going, like to to make sure it doesn't happen again or that sort of thing? Like what, what might your advice be? Yeah, it's a really tough one because I, like I know um, the athlete advocacy route, I think, is really important. And I think it's really important that athletes have a voice. I get concerned when you hear stories of athletes being quietened, for example, or, or not having a voice, for example. Um, it just makes me think what's going on. And equally, I think, why do athletes have to have a voice? You know, if if the sport was been done right and um, then they would be able to you know just just play sport for example and not have to stand up in groups and so on however look I, I just encourage the girls to to um think rationally and 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 take time to reflect on what's happening look for the facts find out all the facts behind things I think is important um to speak up speak up together if you are as, as a as a group um and then like the biggest the biggest pleading is to the people that are in there and uh, that have got the power to change what's happening and, and make the decisions around the game to to do this, to do this right, you know, and, and to communicate what's happening if, it, if it's not going well and, and not treat the public as um, as unimportant because they, they have got a voice in this. And I think if we're not doing well you can communicate that it's not going well but we're trying you know whereas I think often you get this sense that the public and people the key stakeholders in the game are kind of kept in the dark with all of this and and of course they're going to be frustrated when it doesn't go well and I think there's a huge communications piece around that which um which I can I don't know enough about but you just get the sense that that that's not right so look I know that's that's not an answer and it's probably a reflection of how complex 
the whole topic mm-hmm. is um yeah. yeah no I know and we 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 massively appreciate you talking about that because I know it must yeah. be difficult you know because you've just been appointed you know head of performance South Africa and your own country is you know struggling but you know hey we take opportunities in life where they come and you know what's important is Ireland will get it right because you know they have to so they will and and people and you know you know it's, it's clear now that people countries are not going to sit down and accept second best anymore they're going to demand so you know things things will get better for Ireland and we genuinely wish everyone the best of success there and hope yep. hope things work out and like you said Lynn this can be a, a quick turnaround in in the space of three three years and onwards so good luck to Ireland for that yeah. but um Whoa, what an amazing time we've had chatting to you. Honestly, I could stay on and chat. I know I've got, I'm, I'm tormented because I've got to rush off um, shortly for another meeting. But, um, you know, I could sit and chat, chat to you as, as LJ could all day, Lynn. It's, um, I'm really looking forward to when you come over um, with South Africa to play against Wales uh, that we can catch up then. Really looking forward to that. But, um, but thank you for your time today. We're not quite going to finish because... Um, LJ's got a little quick fire around, which she does with us. It's just a little bit of fun. It's nothing too too stressful. <laughs> we just say what we think, and um, and we'll finish off there and then round things up. Okay, so Bird and Lynn, you just shout out the first word you prefer. Right, so there's two words. Choose 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 wisely. I've gone for an easy one to start with. Ireland or Wales? Wales. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no See, choice. I told you, easy one to start with. Okay, uh, would you rather a starter or a pudding? Pudding. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah well, do you know, I, I'm going to say pudding as well, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, bit of custard After on she's there. eating all her chocolate truffles today. <laughs> I will let the <laughs> listeners know. I mean, <laughs> I, I was gifted with some truffles from Marks and Spencer's, and unfortunately, I was saving them for Christmas, but no, too late. They're gone. <laughs> <Christmas>. <laughs> they've gone um <laughs> netflix or the cinema 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 too i think oh yeah it's an occasion um a beach holiday or adventure holiday adventure oh, i love adventure too oh okay but i wouldn't uh, say no to a beach holiday quite yeah frankly, I was gonna say, i've been on i'm gonna years. go for a beach holiday right now based on how <laughs> exhausted i am yeah. um and then my last one would you rather to be out out or a night in? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, out, oh geez, it's hard, isn't it? Out out sounds Lynn, nice. Um, Lynn Campwell, there's no way on God's earth you night in. You're an out, you're an out out girl. Yeah, I've seen you with your Guinnesses, Lynn. You're an out out girl, and I've seen Bird with her prosecco, and she's an out out. Yeah, yeah that's young, it. younger family or not, you're an out out girl. Lynn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but LJ, I got to say that I. We were lucky enough to have a cap presentation for some of the amazing women that didn't get didn't get their first caps for whatever reason oh. recently, which was an amazing, amazing event held at the stadium. Fantastic. But to my <laughs> to my great astonishment, I suggested that we go out out after the celebration. <laughs> Half past three in the morning, I was re- <laughs> not happy that I said go out out. And for the next week. I struggled, so uh, I, I think I think an evening in might be the best idea for me from now on. But, but yeah, oh, uh, oh Lynn, yeah. listen, we wish you yeah. every success and luck with your new venture. We are so 
excited to see where you go with this and you know watch out the rest of the world that's all i can say because if you get everything in place which i'm no doubt and assure you will south africa are going to be a force to reckon with um so you know really all the very best of luck to you your family and south africa for the next um five ten years or more we look we look excited to see what your legacy is there thank you so much lynn for joining us no problem thank you so much both and then door is always open for for you girls to come down and, and to coach or just to have a look around and so on. So yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, we'll definitely hold you to that. <laughs> hey, Elge? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to finish it there. And um, if you want to hear more, just visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thank you all for listening. Look out for our next few guests. We've got some exciting ones coming on. Thanks again to Lynn Cantwell and uh, stay safe, everybody, and catch you soon. Thank you.